all status, I'ma beat y'all back I pull up on the block in a big Corvette yeah. Riding around the city with a stick all black I'ma try with a stroke of weed with all that Good morning, welcome to The Roz Project A conversation about life entrepreneurship, personal development, family tech, and marketing. My name is Ivan Temokov, and I'm your host, and this is where you will get 100% real, raw, and unfiltered life-changing advice to help you level up in every aspect of your life and business. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Monday. I have an amazing episode lined up, and we're going to get right into it. But first and foremost, I want to introduce my amazing co-host, Courtney. Good morning, Courtney. How are you? I'm well, thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm excited. It's Monday. Let's rock. Let's okay. let's make some shit happen. I got some coffee, yeah. luckily, so maybe that's why I feel invigorated. But how was your weekend? Did you do anything fun? Yeah, did I do anything fun? No, I mean, it was a pretty chill weekend, but it was good. I feel like it was productive. How about that's- you? That's good. Well, you know, I, I traveled with family to see, oh. see more family. But to me, I live the laptop life. You know, I, I, I live in my, on my laptop. I carry my laptop everywhere. So but that's a good thing because I'm passionate about what I do. And um, so this morning we've got an amazing guest who is uh, joining us uh, by the name of Rick Arnellis. And let's see if we can bring him. Good morning, Rick. How are you? Good morning, Ivan. Good morning, Courtney. I'm doing amazing. How about you two? We're doing good. We're doing good. Well, before we dive into the conversation, I want to introduce Rick real quick. He's a positive change expert, author, and ultimate success coach. Last year in the middle of the chaos, when he was laid off and very desperate, he changed his whole life and career. This called him to writing his book, 12 Hours of Heaven, Lessons for a Better World, in under three months. Wow, that's amazing and create an online community called iSpark Change for those living a dream and making the world a better place. Since the creation has grown by over 800%, proving that we are all hungry for change and new beginnings. And one thing I want to mention, we'll talk about this in a little bit, is that Rick said that he cheated death at least once. We're gonna dive into that, but first, Rick, let's go back to your early childhood. Tell us a little bit about who you are and and how did you get into what you were doing leading up to 2020? Yeah, so thanks for for the question, uh, Ivan. So I grew up in in Southern California as kind of your typical Southern California kid, but but, you know, some some differences for me um, was that I grew up with four older sisters. So I was the youngest of four, uh, four older sisters. We were all only about a year apart. And uh, my my parents were uh, Hispanic and very traditional. My father was much older, um, and so we had a very very structured life, very disciplined. Uh, went to Catholic school and and were raised, you know, super disciplined and and super focused. Uh, which you know, you kind of fast forward to now is is what those laid the foundations for who I am. But um, you know, I was I was like most kids. I mean very involved in sports, very involved in, in lots of things. But, you know, I, I think a big part of, of my early development was having that really close family relationship like a lot of us have. And, you know, it was, it was uh, so strong based in faith and, uh, and based in family and, and, you know, kind of the you do everything for your family no matter what. 
Um, mm. You know, it's not like we were the mafia or anything, but it was it was that you <laughs> that you just you, you we would do and you know you do anything to support your family, and you know that's what I've always lived by. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you know, growing up in a very diverse family, also obviously you 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 learned a lot of things, right? And I think those values really carried on to you you know, uh, into 2020, which, you know, we'll get into in just a second. But uh, so what was what were some of the things that you focused on in terms of, you know, career and work and what really drew you, you know, that prior to 2020, because 2020 was a was a you know game changing year for you. But uh, I know after being I know you mentioned being laid off also, like you kind of had this sort of an epiphany. Right. So like what what led up to all of that? Were you thinking about uh, making a change in your career, in your life, or was 2020 just like an eye opener for you? Yeah. So, I mean, like you said, I'll, I'll get to the 2020, but, but it, it was a big eye opener for me. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. co- coming out of school, I, I went to, I, I graduated with a degree in, in marketing and communications. And, and I, when I was, I went to USC in, in California and, and coming out of school, you think you're like, oh, you're going to, you kind of have those dreams like, oh, I'm going to make millions of dollars and I'm just going to be rich. Right. And, and that was, I remember, you know, having the, the, the silly goal of when I was graduating, I'm like, oh, I'm going to be a millionaire by 25 and a billionaire by, by 30. And, and this is, this is going to be my life. And, and, and then, you know, you, you meet someone you love and you start raising a family and you, you, you kind of take work that you can get. And I, and I was in, I was in sales, I was in the medical field and, and doing sales Mm -hmm. and corporate training and, and development and, and so the beautiful part of that is that I learned a lot, right? I, I got a lot of ton of corporate training from, you know, Fortune 500 companies where they put you through these courses and you learn leadership or you learn communication or you learn how to, um, you know, how to teach others. And so I, I learned all those things, but I never quite really put it all together. You know, I, I just was, I, I was like most people, you know, earlier you and I were yeah. talking about how, how people, they, they, they they don't really want to change. People just kind of go day to day, just kind of, eh, you're okay, right? Oh, I'm okay. My my kids, my right. kids eat. We, I pay my mortgage. I'm happy. Life is life is fine. I, I, you know, I don't really need to do anything too crazy, earth shattering because I'm comfortable, right? You kind of live in that little comfortability level, which is right. where your average person lives. And that's where I lived for, you know, for 20 years. That's where I lived for the, the big chunk of my life. You know, and it's not a bad place necessarily. I mean, like I said, my, 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 I have great kids. I, I have three daughters, you know, mm-hmm. of my own now. And, you know, I've been married 25 years this year and, and you know, we're very happy. And, but it's just kind of like, eh, eh, just kind of like living, living right there, you know? And, and that's, that's, yeah. that's where I lived until, until last year. Well, you know, it's, it's so ironic you mentioned this uh, is because, uh, well, Courtney and I are both entrepreneurs, obviously, and have been for quite a while. But as you were talking, you know, I think a lot of Americans kind of fall into that comfort zone. Um, and they think, you know, as long as I pay my mortgage, as long as I can put food on the table, as long as I have a job, right, then I'm good. You know, things are good. I'm comfortable, right? But in the reality of things is your, your intuition and your soul is probably telling you that you want more out of life, but you don't exactly know how to come about it. In fact, I think some people actually spend a lifetime trying to figure out exactly what it is that they want. I mean, they do, but they don't. They do, but it's just, you have to go through the execution aspect of that. You gotta figure out, how do I, how do I go from A to Z? on this, right? So how do I get more? Okay. So like, I'm just working, I'm making money, you know, I'm paying my mortgage, but that's not enough. 
how do I have more freedom, right? And I think a lot of people want freedom, honestly, especially, let's face it, 2020 was a terrible year all around. It was it was good, it was bad. I mean, but it depends on, on how you look at it. But in the reality of things, it was an eye-opener for a lot of people, for a lot of people to say that, hey, wake the hell up, you know? Like, hey, you need more. You've always wanted more. This is your time to do more, you know? And I think even prior to that, so when you were talking about that, you know, you said you were comfortable, but you always wanted to do more, was really 2020 the year that just kind of, you know, broke the ice for you? So it's it's interesting. 20, 2020 was the last straw. 2020 was the final straw, but it wasn't yeah. what it wasn't what put that first crack right in, in the ice, you know, to use your uh, use your analogy. So that actually came. So you mentioned you mentioned that near death experience. That was the first crack. Now you would think that that for most people, like that would be the final straw, right? That's that's going to be the right. wake up call. You like wake the fuck up. You know, you need to start living your life the way you're supposed to, right? It wasn't. It wasn't. But but that that actually that goes that goes back twenty years. So so that goes back twenty years. January exactly exactly twenty years. I still have the little card from the accident from the police report that I carry in my wallet. 20, mm-hmm. It's January of, uh, of 2001, but, but that was the initial, that was the initial um, crack where, where, you know, this story of 2020 really begins for me. Really, the, the change of 2020 really started back then. So, mm-hmm. so it, at that time, um, we were living in, still living in Southern California. Now we live in Texas, but we were living in Southern California. It was uh, my wife and I, and we had our two, our two oldest daughters, Sierra uh, and Kinsey at the time, who were four and one at the time. So they were, they were just young. They were just little, little bitty, little mm-hmm. bitty kids. So we had gone down to Los Angeles, uh, which was a couple hours from where we lived. We had driven down to Los Angeles for a birthday party. And as we as we left the party, it's kind of late afternoon, and it started raining. And it's one of those times, you know, in Southern California, the old saying, "Oh, it never rains in Southern California." Well, it was one of those times where it started raining in Southern California, and the roads were super super slick. And my my car, my Pontiac Grand Prix, didn't have the best tires. But we're you know as we're as we're driving back, we're on the on the one eighteen freeway, and. You know, I'm driving really careful and cautious, and we see other cars that had had, had pulled over. Um, but the you know kids were tired; they were sleepy. We wanted to get home, so we're you know I'm kind of going really slow. Well, all of a sudden, I start hydroplaning, and I lose control, and I go from the slow lane across four lanes all the way till the center divider, and I'm frantically trying to correct, and we're about to hit the center divider, and I I do something and, and, and I'm, I'm, you know, everything is, is going, you know, is going through my mind at once. Like I, I got to do whatever I can to save my kids. And I, and I can't yeah. you know, let anything happen to my kids. And, and I try to overcorrect and, and by, you know, some miracle, we don't hit the center divider. We spin back all the way across the, the four lanes of the freeway completely across the other direction without hitting anyone else. We go onto the shoulder, up a dirt embankment, hit a brick wall, flip over completely, and land back on the wheels. Wow. 
So and, this is 20 years ago, right? This is 20 years ago. This is 20 years. I, I, I can remember this like it was five minutes ago. I mean, I, I, it, like it, 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 I, I can just blink and I can, I am literally in the car. If I close my eyes, I am in that car spinning out of control right now and screaming. I was screaming. My wife was screaming. The kids were asleep at the time. I, I don't even know what point they woke up, but, but we wow. land on the wheels and I just realized that my kids had woken up. They're fine. They're completely unharmed. My wife is completely unharmed. She had, you know, the impact of the wall, her shoulder was a, a little sore, but the car is filled with dirt because when we had hit the, when we flipped over, we, I guess, scooped up a bunch of dirt. The, the windshield is shattered. The side windows are shattered, filled with dirt. The roof is all smushed down and we're able to get out on my side and we get out and my wife grabs my daughters and she's sitting on the side of the freeway holding them in the rain just you know crying and sobbing and this older couple had pulled over and yeah. they came out this nice older couple and they came and they they wrapped a blanket around my wife and the gentleman tells me he's like i can't believe you got out of that vehicle he says, that's the most incredible thing I've ever witnessed in my life. I literally cannot believe that you are alive, that yeah. you're conscious, that I'm sitting here talking to you after I witnessed that whole thing happen. And the, the paramedics came and, and the car was totaled, undrivable, and they, they towed it off and, and, you know, kids were checked out and not a scratch. And, yeah. and when I went to to pick up, I, I had to, we, we had all this, all our stuff from traveling in the car. And so the next morning I go down to the, to the to impound place to, to get our things out of the car. And the, the truck is sitting or the car is sitting on a flatbed right out front. And I walk inside and I say to the guy, I'm like, yeah, I'm here to pick up my things. He's like, which vehicle? I'm like the one on the flatbed. And he's like, what? He's like, is that, are you picking them up for the owner? I'm like, no, that's my car. <laughs> and he goes, you know, you should be dead. Like you, you should be dead or, or in the hospital. And I was like, no, that that's my car. You know, that that's, yeah, that's it. And, and at that time, you know, my mom, she said, you know, your guardian angel protected you and your guardian angel um, watched over you and made sure that you, you know, were unharmed in that accident. Yeah. Well, as you were sharing, thank you for sharing that story. And um, one thing I want to mention is you are 100% in good company. There's a reason you're on this podcast because Courtney has actually gone through an experience that literally she should be dead, literally. So you're in good company here. You're in the right place wow. for a reason. And this is actually in part why we started to do this podcast is because we are looking to create an impact in the world. We're looking to create change. And so, Rick, as you were sharing this story, I think the lesson from that is that you were meant for something bigger. You were meant, you were spared for a reason because you are about to influence the world in some form or fashion. And we are human beings. We all have a part inside of us. And some of us even spend, I think, our entire life figuring out how to make that happen because... As you said, the guy, when you went to check out your car, and he's like, dude, you should be dead. It's like, wait, 
you, you think I should be, is it a good thing I'm alive or is it a bad thing that I'm alive? Like he was having a hard time comprehending. You want to know why? Is because most people have a hard time comprehending an anomaly because it's anomaly. It's different, but it's a good anomaly. You were alive. So if I was that guy, I'd be like, dude, you're alive. <laughs> Give me a fucking hug, man. Like you're alive. You survived this. Like, yeah. And, but that's what people don't fathom, Rick. It's it's so hard to fathom those exceptional things, you know? So I think that experience, the fact that you remember it so vividly, 20 years now, and I, and I think you'll remember it for the rest of your life, but there's a reason you remember that. You remember it because it was meant to be uh, a purpose, I think, in a way. Because when you remember it, you realize, you know what? There's so many things you probably have taken for granted in the 20 years. And when you remember that, you're like, whoa, like I could have been dead, but I'm here. I get to see my wife. I get to see my kids. I get to wake up because some people won't even wake up. Some people did not wake up today. I guarantee you that some people won't wake up tomorrow. And that's just it. I think as human beings, we take those little things that are so important that are priceless for granted. And when you truly realize how important those things are in your life, because I'll give you an example. So there's this Clubhouse app now that everybody's talking about. And yeah. I invited Courtney on it. And um, I got my ass grilled this past weekend in front of like eight and nine figure earners. I got to tell you about this, Courtney, because this was hilarious, literally. But mm -hmm. I took it with a grain of salt. Like I got grilled, literally, but it was about a, a business pitch. I already knew that it needed work. I mean, I got up on stage in a room of 1,500 people and eight and nine figure earners, you know, uh, the likes of like Grant Cardone and, and like billionaires, you know, up there grilled my ass. But I knew that I could take the constructive criticism and I was so thick skinned. Right. So then a bunch of people messaged me on Instagram like, man, you're really brave for like being getting your ass grilled in front of 1500 people. And I'm like, you don't understand. I don't give a fuck. It's me. It's about me. And so when you were sharing your story is I think it's a realization into Rick, you've got potential. Go and do something with it. Go and impact the world. Go and change the world. Go infuse positivity. And that's what I think led you into writing your book in 2020, because it was in part, I think the 20 years of experience, the everything that's been brewing up and finally we're like, I just need to put it out there. And yeah. that was kind of like the turning point. I mean, and I'd love to hear more about the book. So the name of the book is 12 hours of heaven lessons for a better world. Gives us, give us a little bit about the book to tell us a little bit about the book. Yeah. So the, the, the idea for the book, actually came right after the accident. So again, took 20 years to write the darn thing, but the idea for the book came after the accident because my, my mother was so strong in her belief about the guardian angel, right? And, oh, your guardian angel. And she gave me little angel pins to put in the car and put on the girls and, and all these things. And, and at the time, I had this idea of a angel that would come down from heaven and would help would help people. And so back then I said, okay, I'm going to start writing. So I wrote about a page on my laptop and, and then I filed it away and I never did anything with it. And I went back to that comfortability that I, that we talked about earlier, right? Yeah. I went back to that comfortable place, went about life, you know, enjoying life, just, just living and, and doing things. And, and I, and there, I kept having these wake up calls that, that kept coming like, Hey, dumbass, you need to do something. You know, my, my, my sister um, 
suffered from bipolar and she committed suicide in 2004. And, and, and I, at that time I was like, all right, you, maybe you should, you didn't wake up when you had your own accident. Like, how about now? And that forced me into some change. So I, I did have some change and it, you know, really improved my, my family life and my relationship and with my wife. Yeah. And, and so it led to some change, but not the, the big, the big change. Um, and then as you, you fast forward to, to last year. So I had this idea in my head, right? This, this idea was in my head. And at the beginning of quarantine, I, I was, I was laid off from, you know, my main source of income. I, I had some other, some other coaching clients that had decided they wanted to, to slow down. They wanted to put things on hold. You know, I'm working mostly with small businesses. So they said, yeah, let's put things on hold. Cause we don't know what's going to happen. So my income just went, you know, went down to nothing essentially <laughs> went to shit. And, and so, but I said, you know what? I have all this time on my hands. Now we're in quarantine. We're stuck. We have to be home. I, I, I need to do something with it. So I wrote a blog article that I, I wrote. It was a two part blog and it was entitled how to, how to use the opportunity as a, how to use the COVID uh, quarantine as an opportunity. And I, and I said, you know, you need to use the opportunity to, to practice gratitude and to be kind to others and, and to um, do something that you've never done before. Right. And I wrote that article, I don't know, like in February, or March, and then it took, you know, as slow as I've been, as slow as I've been to react to, you know, my own advice, you know, like a lot of people, great at giving advice, but taking it myself, you know, just yeah. not listening. So it, it took about a month or so. And then I realized I'm like, Hey, Hey, idiot, why don't you write that book that you wanted to write for 20 years, right? You have, you have time, you, you, you're home, you're not doing anything, right? You, there's only so much Netflix to watch or whatever. We had, we had already remodeled the backyard and I, you know, worked my ass off doing that. And I was like, all right, I already did everything my wife wanted. So I was like, yeah. write the book. So I, I started writing the story. I started writing the, the story of, uh, you know, 12 hours of heaven. And, and the book is, uh, it's about an angel that uh, is sent down from heaven on, on this mission to help. And he's, he doesn't really know that 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 what he's going down for. He knows that God wants him to go down and and mm -hmm. you know, go down to earth, but he doesn't really know. And he finds himself trapped in an elevator with ten people, ten totally different people, and they're trapped in the elevator for twelve hours. Hence the title. And during that twelve hours, he's able to help each one of them through the biggest challenge that they have in their life, and he's able to teach them each a lesson. And a lesson that they can go forward with uh, from their life. So he teaches them, you know, he teaches one to um, practice stillness and he teaches another one to have gratitude and one to have faith and one to forgive and one to love and one to serve and yeah. uh, one to give. And, and, and in, in, you know, writing the story, you know, I, I, I wrote the story because you know god had put that in my head like i said 20 years ago after that accident you know and i yeah. just didn't do anything like i was supposed to but you know i i wrote it because of all the shit that was happening in the world at the time as well you know it was yeah. it was that i wanted to inspire others and motivate others that you know what you don't have to live in that in that 
comfortable place where you're not happy. You don't, you don't have to live in that place where you don't have to accept, you know, all the atrocities that were happening last year, right? You don't have to accept racism or you don't have to accept hatred or you don't have to accept, you know, negativity or right. you know, whatever it is, right? That, that there's, you, there is a better world out there. Right. Hence the title, you know, lessons for better. There is a better world. And you just have to, as I said earlier, you just have to get off your ass and do something about it. And yeah, and that was, you know, that's the, that was the whole uh, motivation, you know, for myself in, in writing the book last year. Yeah. I want Courtney to jump in on the psychological aspect of this, but I, before she does, I wanted to mention something that I think is important to outline. I think the accident 20 years ago was your wake up call. But you even said to yourself, and you actually kind of read my mind, believe it or not, on this, because that's the thought I'm about to share, is that you were reactive to it. In other words, is you waited 20 years to react on it, basically. So you were, you were delayed in your reaction, I should say. When that accident was your wake-up call. I think it was. It was your wake-up call to say that you're meant to do something, go and figure it out. But... That's the thing, and this is where, Courtney, I want you to jump in from a psychological standpoint because Courtney has superior psychology when it comes to these kinds of things. would love for you to elaborate on that thought because well, why does it take so long for us to respond? I, I, so I have a lot of thoughts. I can't obviously you know, know what's inside your head and you know, mm -hmm. what it was for you, but I think that you know, a lot of times we these kinds of wake-up calls, as you put it, are they're a gift but they're also terrifying you know all the reasons that we don't take action you know come come up for us um so at that time you had this awareness of not living the life that you want to live not uh realizing your full potential but i think that at the same time you had the awareness of what could be and what it would take to get there and it, I, i'd love to hear your thoughts on it but you know, because I can't be inside your head. But my guess is that there there was an element of fear. I, I think a lot of times that, you know, people like to say that people don't take action because they're lazy. And while human beings do have, you know, a lazy uh, quality, there is an inherent laziness in humanity. Uh, that's more rooted in survival than it is anything else, to be actually really honest. Um, that's more of a bioevolutionary trait. You know, it's a conservation of energy. But usually the lack of action especially with something that's so pivotal and so uh illuminating is really stemming from fear so i guess i would ask you two questions do you feel like you had any kind of it, it's either fear or lack of clarity but usually the lack of clarity is also stemming from fear because we don't want to actually see what it is that's in front of us so i guess my question to put it back to you would be um do you think that there was something that you were afraid of uh, on the other side? And what were there any when you did start to so 20 years? But I don't think it was 20 years and then all of a sudden you took action. I, I think that there were little increments along the way that kept propelling you. Um, so along the way or even when you had that big, you know, moment, were there uh, things that you know came up for you and were there roadblocks along the way so 
it's going to be sound a little freaky, but you're probably inside my head right now. That's <laughs> <laughs> why I had her jump in because that was exactly the point right there. So do share, Rick. <laughs> yeah, it, you're you're so accurate, Courtney. So I'd say it was 100% fear, you know. And 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 I, I've been doing a ton of self reflection since I've written in. I've I've been, uh, you know, undergoing coaching on my own to to help you know figure all this out and grow grow from it. And I think you hit the nail exactly, exactly on the head that it was, it was fear, but not fear in the sense of that I couldn't necessarily do it, but fear in the sense of what happens next fear in the sense of the unknown. Okay. So I write this book. So then what happens? And then how does it affect me? And then what, what do I become? And then what, what changes come in my life? And then do I get out of my comfortability uh, bubble, right? And so it's that fear. It was the fear of the unknown, I, I guess, uh, more so for me because I, you know, I've, I'm a pretty self-confident person. And, and, you know, I don't think it was not thinking, oh, I don't feel I can do it or anything. Just, just, just that fear of the unknown. So I think you're right there. And then, and then you're also correct in the second part with regards to the the incremental steps so over the past i mean for all of my life basically i've been a lifelong learner i've been someone that has tried to uh, you know big on on self-development and improving myself but i would always limit myself i would always have that kind of upper ceiling limiting myself and not letting myself break through and saying okay well you can have success but you can only have success to here you can't have success, you know, sky's the limit. You can only have success here. And I've, you know, I've had successful career. I mean, you know, I've, I've, I've made a good living. I've, you know, we've right. provided for my kids and, and all that stuff. But I, I think that was, that's been the biggest, the biggest thing is, you know, it comes from that fear, as you said, and that that fear has led to limiting beliefs that have precluded me from taking action sooner than I was forced to. Um, you know, one thing I wanted to jump in real quick, Rick, as you were mentioning, and Courtney, I know you you were going to nail this. That's why I <laughs> wanted you to ask this question because I knew it was the fear and the fear of, of unknown, but you just put it in such phenomenal perspective. So thank you for that. Um, I want to give a perfect example. So I'm a mediocre golfer. I've been golfing for about four years, right? And so here's a perfect example is I think – and what you were saying, Rick, is that we as human beings have uh, seek instant gratification, have expectations. So when I get my club and, you know, I'm, I'm on the tee and I'm getting ready to swing, I'm like, all right, I mean, you're going to hit it 250 yards, right? And I'm like, okay, I hit it. But it's like, no, Ivan, you're really not going to hit it 250 yards. Limiting beliefs, right? Now, Here's one or two things that happen. And this is literally in life. Literally, this is a perfect example in life is this that 99% of the time when I say to myself in my mind, I mean, just hit the fucking ball. Just stop thinking, stop overthinking, take your time. And I love, I love golf because it's a game of patience, really. And it's taught me a lot about that. When I'm patient with it, I hit it straight down the fairway, 225 yards with a driver. But when I'm in my head and thinking about it, like you said, what would happen when you wrote the book? What comes next? 
It's like the cart before the horse. Write the fucking book first, <laughs> you know, and then see what happens. I think I, I absolutely agree with that. But I think there is another element, too, though, is that, you know, when I was talking about uh, fear and laziness and there is an element of people tend to be afraid of what happens if they actually get what they wish for, you know, because it is the fear of the unknown and it's the fear of, you know, with, with uh, you know, the, the more success you have, the more responsibility you actually have. And I think a lot of times when people are afraid of uh, failure, you know, they're afraid of success too, because they're afraid that the more success they have, the higher the bar goes. And then are they going to fail then? And then the stakes are higher. So I, I'd love to hear from you, you with your experience as you were reaching some of these markers for yourself. You know, did you find that there were uh, tendencies to want to sabotage? Did you find that you had, uh, you know, an awareness of that you had new uh, heights that you had to reach and more responsibility or that the stakes were higher? Or was there was the fear that much greater of them falling from there? Yeah, so so you're you're once again spot on, <laughs> once again spot on, Courtney. <laughs> yeah, good job. So uh, you know the there's definitely been fear of fear of the success, right? And, and fear fear of the success. And I'd say probably because of the responsibility factor, because you know the greater responsibility that comes with it, and just just in the sense that if I want to impact people if i want to change the world then i want it to be in a positive way and and so i really with all my heart i want to do that and i'm going to work on that till the day i die and and i want to positively impact people and and i've i feel like i've gotten past that that you know i i'm ready for the responsibility i'm i'm um can take it on and that i i don't have that limiting belief because i've worked on it so much for the past you know eight months I feel the one that I'm still working on, the sabotaging part comes in doing the work. So I've been working on 800 different things at once, you know, at the same time as trying to grow iSpark change and, and, and build this community. And so with that comes a laundry list of things that I have to do. So I've, I prioritize and I say, okay, these are the most crucial. This is what's going to give you, you know, the most, um, you know, uh, traction or the best, biggest reward in the shortest period of time. But then I'll find myself working on the, the lesser things that are easy just so I can check them off the list. And, you know, I have like, oh, I got rid of all those little things. So those are done. And, but then you're not working on the big things that are going to really have an impact and really have traction. So that's where, that's where I, I still work every day on, on the focus, uh, to not, you know, I, and, and I don't know if sabotage is the right word, but to not put in the work in the right places, you know, so to speak, and where it would have, you know, a much greater impact. And, you know, I mean, I, I spark change, you know, I, 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 I've said that, oh, well, it's just me working on it. So it's been limited by my ability to handle it. But at the same time, it's been limited by my ability to handle it because I haven't done as good of a freaking job as I, as I could have, right. I hasn't worked, has worked as efficiently and, and, you know, put in the work that, uh, that I should have. So, yeah, I mean, here's one thing I wanted to add, cause Courtney brought up a, a really good point is that responsibility. 
I think we all as human beings are afraid of increased responsibility. I know speaking from my own experience is that as I've seen my business grow is just that I've been afraid and I'm afraid inside of me. It's like I've got more overhead. I've got an employee to pay. I've got this. And, you know, I've got I'm the head of household, too. So it's like, right. But it's that fear. It's that fear. And what I've come to realize is that, Ivan, you wanted this. This is what you asked for, okay? So you got to man up and step up to the plate because when you – let's look at any successful leader in the world, right? They ha they're full of responsibility, right? They've got massive amounts of responsibility. And what do they do? The biggest thing is they show up every day. They show up. And that's one thing that you can do. And regarding responsibility, this is my take on this, is that you can prepare for more responsibility. You always can't train your mind physically. I know Courtney's like physically amazing. She does some amazing shit that like I've never seen done. And I hope one day I get to that point myself. But the point I'm trying to make is that you can prepare so much for responsibility. You can study, you can educate yourself, you can train your mind, you can train your body you can even improve your soul, maybe, you know, to do that. But at the end of the day, when you face that responsibility, all you got to do is just tackle it head on because you never, you don't know what the responsibility is. You don't know how big it's going to be because 99% of the time you, you haven't been there. That's why you're, you're acquiring more responsibility is because you put in the work, the action to acquire more responsibility. But then that's the moment that are like, step up. Are you ready for this? Now show me what you got. That's what you got to do. And that's where most people are like, nah, like you said, minimal success. You always wanted success up here, but you were always preparing for the very minimum. Like you can't prepare for the minimum and expect the maximum. Like I'll give you another example is I've been a cyclist for eight years now. I started out doing just endurance cycling, like, you know, road biking and stuff. Right. Now I've gotten up to I'll do 70 miles per week, usually on two rides. But you know what? When I started out for the first three years, it was, oh, this is just endurance. You know, I just need to do this to get in better shape. And then my mind shifted and I realized, you know what? This, this is mind therapy for you, Ivan. This is more than just cycling. This is training your mind. You know what it has done to me? It has literally transformed my perspective, my outlook on the world, on my own life. And he has transformed me being a better husband, you know, a uh, uh, better father also, better entrepreneur because it's training my mind. But that's just it. You got to find your own. How do you get, get, uh, get, don't get so deep inside of your head? Because I think that's what most people do. They get so deep that they forget to even react, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then they settle for the very, very bare minimum. So I think as Courtney pointed out too, you know, it's that fear, but I think you're slowly overcoming that fear. And you just need to be more more eager about overcoming that, that, that fear. But we all struggle with this. We're all human beings. That's the reality of it. But the difference is, is what do you do to change? How do you go about it? And how soon do you do it? Because you said it feels like it's been 20 years to write this book, right? Mm -hmm. But you know what? It's always better late than never. It's that simple. You know, and now last year was a time you did it. Now, what's the next step for you? Right. Where do you go from here? Right. And I think I think that's that's the challenge at hand. So where do you go from here, Rick? That's my question to you. Yeah. So I, I think 
the what's what's been a big thing for me, you know, in terms of where I go and and motivating me to take that next step has been taking my focus off of myself and putting my focus on others. So by focusing on, hey, I want to help others. I want to help them change. I want to help them be better individuals and inspire them and motivate. It, it, I, I don't know if it takes the pressure off me or what it does, but, but it at least gives me a greater, a greater cause, a greater purpose to want to uh, help them. And so I'm doing it for them and those those reasons rather than for myself, which I think that's a, that was a big mental shift for me that has, you know, in the last eight months has really had me, you know, working. But but the next step is really is is growing this I Spark Change community. So I Spark Change, I, I when I was writing, when I was writing the book, one thing I, I, I didn't mention is that I started writing in April and come early June middle, middle June, I was about halfway. I was writing about 750 or a thousand words a weekday and just kind of going through the process, right? Just going through the process. Well, I started getting super spiritually connected and I was, I mean, I, I really felt this, this spiritual connection and that I was being given the words and I was just typing them. And I, I went from writing, you know, that 750 to writing like 2000 words in a couple hours per day. And I, and I went from being halfway done and like three weeks later, I had finished the book. I had, I, I went from writing eight chapters in a few months to writing eight more chapters and finishing the book in, in a few weeks. Yep. And, and when I, you know, completely let go and just said, okay, I'm just going to, you know, let, let it flow and, you know, come from uh, divine means or wherever. And, and in that time, in that time where I was, I call it like a spiritual awakening for myself, yep. I started having a flood of ideas and I had a flood of ideas of, of, of dreams and visions and all these crazy ideas of creating this better world. And that's where I had the idea for I Spark Change and, and this community of putting together not just individuals, but organizations and charities and, and groups and companies and anyone that wants to commit to positively impacting the world. And, yeah. and, uh, so the, the next step is to continue to spread the word of I spark change, continue to, to grow that community. And what I see it evolving into is, so you, I'm going to rewind for a second. It, it'll make sense. So you, you, both of you had mentioned that during the 20 years, there were incremental steps or things that had come along the way. So, that was Courtney, by the way. Yes, I can't Courtney. take credit for that. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so from 2009 to 2012, I had an idea for a social media platform, and I was working on the social media platform. I, I had one partner that started working with me, and I was, you know, using using um, uh, freelancers to try to get this social media platform off the ground. And I, I wasn't resourceful enough, as Tony Robbins says. I, I didn't, I didn't make it a priority. I didn't, I didn't get it going. I, I didn't get it going. And then the idea I had during the time of writing is that the reason I didn't get it going then is because the time wasn't, it wasn't ready then. But the, it's ready now because where humanity is, and and we're so disconnected, and 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 people are so ripe to change and improve the world, is that I want to see I Spark Change evolve into this, this social media um, community of those who want to inspire change and that want to spread positive change around the world. 
and right. and and that, that that doesn't exist. There's not a social media platform like it in the world. You look up the top 100 social media platforms in the world, and there isn't such a thing. And that's that's what I want to create. That's what I want iSpark Change to evolve into. Um, and I put four years of work into that before, and I think those four years of work can finally you know come to realization here in the in the near future. Yeah. You know, one thing I wanted to mention, I want to go back to, you said something here that's really key that believe it or not, a lot of people don't realize a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of human beings, you said, let go. When you were talking about having these divine thoughts, let go, you let go of those restrictions that you were putting around yourself. That's why you were able to write 2000 words in two hours. And trust me, I used to write long ass fucking blog posts, <laughs> like right around that magnitude. So I know that you can write 2000. It is realistic to write 2000 words in a couple hours. It is. You want to know why you get immersed into it. You get so into it that like everything, all the externals, you remove all the externals, you're free flowing as like, you know, a rapper with free flow. And on that note, actually, there, there's something that I discovered. And I think everyone goes through this, that this is so fascinating. Literally has probably taken me, I'm 41 years old. It's probably taken me 41 years old, literally to figure out. And that is late at night, right before I'm going to bed, like I'm tired, right? Like your body's shutting down and you need sleep. But a sense of calmness comes over me. There's so much clarity that like my, my literally my mind is the clearest. You know what I do now? is I whip out my Evernote app on my phone and I jot down whatever's going through my head. And when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, holy shit, that's some powerful stuff. <laughs> Literally, because your mind is so calm. And the reason your mind is so calm is when you're at still, when you're, when you're, when you're humble also. For me, that happens at night. Literally, like late at night, right before I go, I go to bed. The only, I can do it throughout the day, but I have to remove every single distraction around me my phone, social media, my laptop, and be in a place where I'm just free. But that is exactly what happened to you when you started writing. Now use that, amplify it right there. Amplify it, and you'll be amazed at what you can do. Literally, you're like, holy shit, I had no idea that I could do this. And the last thing I wanted to mention is, talk about your purpose, Rick. I think your purpose is really to help people because that accident 20 years ago taught you exactly that, to be more grateful and how to reciprocate that towards other people so that they can understand that, you know what, you live a life that there's so many things that you're taking for granted and I can help you realize why. By sh you share it in your book. That's what your book is about in an essence, right? Yeah. And that's what iSpark Change is about. Now go and amplify, and I'm excited for you. I'm excited to see what you do in 2021 because you will impact the world. You will impact the world. You will tell your story, and there'll be others that will resonate with it. That's the most fascinating thing because you will find people that have gone through similar, identical, or worse situations that you did. You watch, and the more you tell your story, the more you're going to attract those people. This is a little what we do on the Ross Project. This is why you're here six years later. There's a reason that you're a guest on this podcast. And before we sign off, Rick, throw out some social handles, some websites, any material, any way people can connect with you about the book, you know, just to chat with you. How can they reach you? What's the best way? 
Yeah, so uh, thank you for bringing that up, Ivan. Um, and, you know, I think you're right. Before I, before I get to that, I think you're right. It's, it is all about helping people. And, you know, that's, that's my main intention and is to, in growing this, is, is to help people. It's for no other reason. It's to help people and to show them they can change and that we can have a better world. And so um, I spark change. So the, that's, the, that's the logo, I spark change. Awesome. There, there, oh, there it is. I spark change. Um, okay. But it, uh, it will, um, it's, I, I spark change on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, have a YouTube channel, I spark change YouTube channel, but uh, also website, website is just I spark change.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, if if folks go to the website, then they can connect at icebarkchange.com. They can get on the mailing list. Uh, there's blog articles. There's you know other positive things. See what um, if they want to join Icebark Change, they can obviously join the Facebook community on Icebark Change or or join the join the community on on the website. Um, but that's the biggest thing for us now is just to help you know spread the awareness and and grow the Icebark Change community, whether it be an individual or an organization or you know, just anyone can can be a part of it as long as they just commit to positively impacting the world. I love it. I love it. With that being said, Courtney, do you have anything else to add before we sign off on this episode? No, that was awesome. I loved hearing your story. Awesome. Yeah, thank Rick. you. Thank you for uh, for pointing the, out the fear and everything, Courtney. Thank you for being spot on with all of that. You're so welcome. This, this, this is why she adds an amazing flair to the show, right? And yeah. very much like, yeah, I wish I would have done this sooner, believe it or not, but we're doing it now, and that's all that matters. Yeah. Rick, thank you so much for sharing your story, man. That that was awesome. I know I'll be reaching out to you to chat more about mm-hmm. iSpark Change. And uh, Courtney, thank you so much, as always, being an amazing co-host. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was episode 105 of The Roz Project with my special guest, Rick Ornelas, and of course, my amazing sidekick, Courtney Turner. Uh, as I mentioned earlier on the show, if you didn't catch it, the audio portion of this episode will be available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Amazon later on today. If you're not subscribed to The Roz Project, now's your chance to do that. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in and joining us. Until next time, bye-bye.